Production made possible in part by MedPlus Advantage. Welcome to Radio Rounds, everybody. I'm Lakshman Swamy. We'll be continuing this season's theme in quality and safety in medicine with today's episode featuring Maureen Bizignano, CEO of the Institute for Healthcare Improvement. I went across the uh, city to a different hospital. It was a pediatric hospital. And I watched the use of a whiteboard and daily goals. Everybody came in. They gathered the parents. They gathered the, the young child. And the team got there and said, here's the plan for the day. What a different experience. Now, that's not implementing research, but boy, that adult hospital could start with one patient tomorrow with a piece of cardboard taped at the end of the bed <laughs> and test out, could a whiteboard make care better for these patients? Maureen Bizignano is a prominent authority on improving healthcare systems. Ms. Bizignano advises healthcare leaders around the world and is a frequent speaker at major healthcare conferences on quality improvement as well as a tireless advocate for change. Most importantly, she has a genuine patient's first attitude that is evident in everything she says. Here is my interview with Maureen Bizignano. In 1987, I was a brand new CEO. I was 35 years old. And I was the CEO of a hospital. And I was, uh, remember, sitting at my desk the first day thinking, how could I, wh- what could I, difference could I make? How could I improve the quality of care? And I began by making rounds, by walking through the hospital and talking to physicians and nurses and patients. And what I found was broken systems everywhere. Because I was new, I could see them. The people who came into work every day were were in the processes and, and found it difficult to uh, change them. They found it easy to work around them. And, and it almost became heroic that when a supply wasn't there or a patient was late, that everybody would scramble to accommodate and try and provide the best care they could. But they couldn't rise above the broken processes to see how they could be fixed. And at that time, I met uh, Dr. Don Berwick. And uh, Don asked me if I was interested in learning how to lead improvement. Being a brand new CEO, I was very interested in that. So he paired me up with Florida Power and Light, an electric utility in Miami. And I flew to Miami to an electric company, and they're the ones that taught me how to improve quality. One thing that struck out was that when you were in this position of leadership, you actually went to where people were working and saw everything that was happening right there. That seems like something that I'm hearing about more and more nowadays. But back then, I don't, I don't think that many people did that. Is that right? Well, there was a, a management theory that was called MBWA, Management by Walking Around. And it began about that time that people realized that the gap between the front office and the front line was huge. And that people needed to get out of their offices in order to understand what was really happening on the front lines. Um, I learned during those, those walks, I learned how to talk to patients. I learned how to interview staff. I learned how to create a culture of honesty that allowed me to really see what was happening on the front line. It's not natural in healthcare. In many organizations still today, there's a hierarchy of fear. And so when the CEO walks out, the staff respond in a way that says everything's fine. I had to really teach people that I wanted to hear what was happening. 
And you used an interesting phrase before. You said that these people in these kind of broken systems that you were observing were almost heroic in the way they pulled things together to to make things work. Uh, so, if they if they're being heroic, why is that? Why is this a bad thing? Why is this a problem? Well, they're heroic in that they're working around uh, broken processes. Let me give you an example. I was recently interviewing a patient in front of several hundred nurses, physicians, and, and executives from a healthcare system, and the patient was describing his. The, the great things in his care. He said the interpersonal relationships were unbelievable. And he said, when I come in, they know me. They know my family. They know my history. It's not like, what's your name? Who's your doctor? What are you here for? But when I talked to him about his his needs, there were some broken pieces in the process. Uh, this is a young man who's paraplegic and in a wheelchair. And I asked him as an example about how does he care for himself with respect to catheterization? And he said that he catheterizes himself four to five times a day, and he described how he works in a hospital, and he would go into the men's room, into the handicap stall, catheterize himself. And then he described something I, I was surprised at. He said, then I come out and I wash the catheter in the sink. And he said it freaks out all the, the other people who work in the hospital when they see him doing that. And I said, why do you have to wash the catheter in the sink? And he, he said that there's a regulation, a Medicare regulation, that only allows so many catheters per week. And four to five catheters a day exceeds the number of his weekly supply. So he's got to wash them out. And he described then that he routinely gets uh, urinary tract infections. And I said to him, have you spoken to your physician about this? And he said, yes. And he said, his physician told him there was another way, that he could, in fact, microwave it. So he started going to the employee cafeteria wow. and microwaving it. But he said that really bothered his, his fellow workers. So here's, for the, for, the, for the lack of a few catheters a week, he ends up with three to four, sometimes five hospitalizations a year, much more expensive, much more debilitating. And also, he said that he's regularly on antibiotics. So he said when he goes into the pharmacy, there's a shelf with his name on it, with Cipro, all ready for him to go. Now, that's a broken system. And when I when I was interviewing him about this, the first reaction of his physician was, I will slip you some extra catheters, because that's what we do. We mm -hmm. try and fix it for the individual. And I said, no, you've got to fix it for every patient. How is it that the Institute for Healthcare Improvement creates these outcomes so quickly? Well, we have a, a theory of the way that we work here at IHI. And uh, I would frame it this way. We, we build will, we create new ideas, and then we support the execution of those changes at the front line. So let me just run through that a little bit. Um, we start by building will. We know, and I'm out in hospitals, in, in uh, physician office practices and in clinics uh, almost every week of the year, I see how hard people are working. I see that people are um, not only caring for patients in a very wonderful way, but they're also having to manage these workarounds. So the average nurse or physician or medical student or resident at the end of their day, and I'll often see them heading out to their car at the end of a 12 or 14 or 20-hour shift, and they're, on the one hand, exhausted from the broken processes and the workarounds, and on the other hand, exhilarated by the experiences with patients. 
if I were to come in to an average care setting and say, I want you all to improve, I want you to decrease your infection rates by 30%, they're already working as hard as they can. So we need to build the will to change. And that comes when people start to see their work in a different way. So when we tackle a new problem, we always start by building will. An example of that might be uh, writing a peer-reviewed paper on the the level of a defect. What is the rate of ventilator-associated pneumonia or central line infections? And what kind of variation do we see across the system? So on the one hand, it might be a peer-reviewed publication that's going to appeal to people who learn that way through research. And then on the other hand, we've got to tell the stories. What happens to a patient when they get a ventilated pneumonia? What does that do to the extended uh, stay in the ICU? What happens to the family? What's the mortality rate associated with that? And then we've got to link it to cost. So we're building will by telling the same story in many different ways. Um, and, and I think that helps people to see that there's a gap they need to close. Then the second thing is we'll go on to new ideas and we'll build a solution. Here at IHI, we run R&D cycles every 90 days. We'll, we have a list on the wall as a whiteboard with, and anybody walking through here can add to that list. What are the intractable problems that, that people don't seem to be able to solve? And we'll put those through a cycle and uh, get some new ideas. That's where the idea for ventilator bundles came from, IHI's R&D process, or central line bundles, the idea for how a physician practice can change its scheduling systems. Those ideas and the IHI triple aim comes, so we build solutions in the R&D cycle, and then we implement by sharing with people on the front line in many different ways, through seminars and through partnerships, these are the steps you can take. Try this on one patient tomorrow and learn. Did you have the right supplies? Did it work? What barriers did you run into? And then perhaps two the next day. But it makes improvement doable. It makes it manageable in the course of a very busy day, and that's how we produce results. So you don't necessarily need to wait till you have an overwhelming amount of data for your particular institution. You can instead start small and build it up, build it up, and, and then create a big change with that. Yeah, in some cases, what we're doing is we're helping organizations to implement research that's already been published. In many cases, we still see variation. People on the front line still haven't caught up with their reading, or the hospital hasn't changed its policies for how to manage a particular procedure. So in many cases, what we're doing is we're helping people at the front line to implement change. And in some cases, we're implementing new solutions. There is no or few research papers, as an example, on the value of having a whiteboard at the end of a patient's bed. But I know from my experience in talking to patients how critically important that is. I sat with two patients yesterday in two academic medical centers here in Boston. One was an adult who was at one of the um, major medical centers, and I sat at his bed and watched what happened to him during the course of one shift. A resident came in and said, we're going to start feeding you. And the patient was very excited, and he said, what can I start with? And he said, clear liquids. And he said, when can I start? And he said, within the hour. A medical student came in and said, you're NPO, and he took, he took his, his uh, food away 
his, his tray. The resident came back in and said, no, you can't eat. The nurse came in and took his tray away. There was no goal. The patient uh, said, I really feel like I need to walk. I've been lying in bed for, for two weeks now. And the nurse said, okay, I'll get you up and walk you. She got halfway down the hall, and the medical student said he needs to go back to bed. They put him back to bed. An hour later, the resident came in and said, you can get up and walk. And he said, how often can I walk? And he said, we'll try it once. And I kept thinking, sitting there, if only the whole team had come in in the morning at 8 o'clock and said, here's what we're going to try today. This is the diet we agreed to. We're going to try you on ice chips. Next hour, we're going to try you on clear liquids. And we'll progress in this way. And we're going to try to mobilize you. Each hour, we're going to have somebody come in and walk you down the hall. And we're going to manage your pain in this way. And we do have one procedure in the middle of the day, but we're going to work it around your schedule in this way. I just thought how brilliant it would have been for this patient because he suffered all day long, not from his disease, from his care. And then... I went across the uh, city to a different hospital. It was a pediatric hospital. And I watched the use of a whiteboard and daily goals. Everybody came in. They gathered the parents. They gathered the, the young child. And the team got there and said, here's the plan for the day. What a different experience. Now, that's not implementing research. But boy, that adult hospital could start with one patient tomorrow with a piece of cardboard taped at the end of the bed and test out, could a whiteboard make care better for these patients? Thanks again to our guest, Maureen Bisignano. As we look ahead to next week, we're very excited to be speaking with Dr. Virginia Hood, the immediate past president of the American College of Physicians, or ACP, and currently a professor of medicine at the University of Vermont College of Medicine. Look forward to that episode airing on our website and iTunes on November 25th. In the meantime, you can find new podcasts posted to our website every Sunday, as well as a complete list of past episodes for download and much more. Visit us at www.radiorounds.org. You can also contact our team at Radio Rounds via email, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. All of that information and much more at RadioRounds.org. Production made possible in part by MedPlus Advantage. Sponsored by the American Medical Association. Providing group disability and life insurance to students and residents through participating educational institutions. Visit us at MedPlusAdvantage.com. Radio Rounds is also proudly partnered with the Student Doctor Network online at studentdoctor.net. Is an application to medical school in your future? Learn tips for admissions success in the new second edition of the Student Doctor Network Medical School Admissions Guide, available now in paperback and electronic formats through the SDN bookstore at studentdoctor.net. Please remember that the views and opinions expressed on Radio Rounds are not representative of the views and opinions of the partners of Radio Rounds or of the Wright State University Boonshaw School of Medicine. Have a great week and happy Thanksgiving, everyone. For our entire staff here at Radio Rounds, I'm Lakshman Swamy, and one day we'll be your doctors.